All right, how many are ready for a baptism Sunday? Make some noise. Come on. Woo! Y'all got to get excited. Anybody else excited? Come on. Open up your Bibles to the book of James chapter 1. Somebody say new creation. Thank you. New creation. want to welcome our friends and family for the baptism. We have special missionary friends, Mr. and Mrs. Meyer, all the way from Haiti. Let's give it up for them. Maybe raise your hand so they'll know who you are. Thank you. They came to watch Ashley get baptized, and you know we love our missionaries here. Open up your Bibles with me as we talk about new creation. We're so happy for the rest of the families that are here today. I thought this would be a good time to take a little bit of a side journey from our Ephesian sermon series to kind of summarize the gospel. Our church is always growing. Right now, this is the most amount of disciples, the most amount of attendees. Things are really happening and crack a lacking around here. Uh, the first service, you guys got to catch back up to the second service because them sleepy in folks are, are, are doing you in right now. So you got to get the early morning folks to fill in all these chairs. Last, uh, last week, they were filling in side sections and all that. But I know the early bird gets the worm, but bring your friends with you. Amen. And don't recruit the 11 o'clock ones. Get some new ones, okay? Get some new ones. But I'm so glad you're here, really am. And just empty seats mean that we can fill them with our friends and family, amen? I want to get to 300 in the next year, in this year, by 2018, 300. We're right about 250 right now. I want to get to 300. But this is what we need to do from time to time is remember what the gospel is. What Jesus was all about, what that good news message really was all about. It had a purpose and so often I'll get a chance to talk to you guys and I'll hang out. And it's funny because it doesn't matter how many times I preach the message of the gospel. It could be the very next day. It could be right after this service. Somebody will say things that is exactly the opposite of the gospel. They still don't get it. <sighs> Go right over their head. They've been around Father Tom too long. They've heard too many different versions of the gospel that they have forgotten what I just said. Listen, this needs to replace the Bible, not my opinion, I should say. The Bible needs to replace whatever Father Tom said. Can I get an amen? This needs to replace whatever Awela, Grandma said. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Y'all getting offended already? Y'all already offended? I haven't even started yet. I have not even started yet, but listen, you need to get rid of what First Baptist said. What, I'm telling you, any church, if it doesn't agree with the Word of God, throw it out. And you may say, Pastor, look at you. You're all so highfalutin. Who made you, you know, the next prophet, all that? I'm just going to read you the Bible. I will then ask you simple questions, and you tell me what it means. Okay? You tell me what it means. And I just debated a Muslim last week on our podcast. I will debate Father Tom. I will debate First Baptist Pastor. I love Baptists, but I will get them Bapticostal. Are you listening to me? I will help anybody see this that wants to see it. I'll pay them $50 to show up. All that I ask is that we have equal time. Are you listening? They got to be at least a leader because I, you know, I, I get these. I used to have members come from these churches and then they would feel like they got picked on. They got bambasted, you know, and they didn't know how to handle all of that. You get me a Baptist pastor, and I'll preach to him on, and we'll get an equal time. You listen to me. Get Father Tom to debate me on whether or not this is true. Right here, this message. Send Father Tom this message and say, my pastor will debate you on his show just like he did a Muslim, and you guys can decide which one it is. Can I get an amen? I'm tired of the devil lying to you guys about what salvation is. I really am. I'm not upset. I, I know I put the Baptists out there, but I went to a Baptist school. I love Baptists. But I'm tired of hearing this from everybody. I really am. I'm going to get to what I'm tired of in just a minute. But this is it, friends. You're either a new creation or the gospel's a lie. 
Okay? It's not partially true. It's either all true or none of it's true. Can I hear an amen? Okay, now open up your Bibles to the book of James. I'm sorry you're there. If you're not there, I'm going to give you time because I want to hear everybody say I'm there. Don't just cheat on the karaoke screen today. I want you to have it in your phone, your app. You underline this, okay? Two of you are there. Come on, somebody say I'm there when you're there. Okay? I want you to check this with me now. You check it. Because what if I told you what you believed about salvation matters just as much as what you believe about Jesus? I'm going to say that again. What if I told you what you believe about salvation matters just as much as what you believe about Jesus? What you believe about Jesus' work in your life is just as important as what you believe about Jesus' work on the cross. Okay, now I want you to get this today. Most of our church, 80% of our church, 155 young people and adults, youth and adults, are in discipleship out of our possible 200. The rest of the 50 are children. Are you listening to me? Okay, now watch. Most of you already love Jesus right here. We have visitors. If you don't know of Jesus, we're just going to treat you like you love Jesus right now until you do, okay? Everybody just say this. I love Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins, was buried in, uh, buried in a grave, rose again on the third day. Ascended to heaven and is coming back again. I believe most of you, if not 99% of you all believe that. I don't believe there's a doubt in the world in most of your hearts right now about that. I believe our church is a good gospel preaching church. You know that that is true. Can I hear an amen? I'm not manipulating you. Some of you may have struggles with that. We love you. We will talk this with you. We don't have to debate and argue. I can be sassy sometimes. We will take our steps with you. Trust me, we are okay with your journey. We will go on that journey with you. But for those of you who have settled in your heart, I believe that settles it. God is good. Jesus died for my sins, rose again. You now have to understand that gospel was always presented to you, to me, to go hand in hand with that message. On the flip side of it was that God did something in your heart the moment you believed that. That there was something spiritually that took place in your life. And it's as important that you believe in that work of salvation as you believe in what Jesus did. If you don't believe when you believed in Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead that you were made a new creation, you miss the entire plan of salvation and have a useless faith according to the Bible. Mic drop. Come on. I'm going to read it again. i got to go from my notes today because I'm just going to go all over the place if I don't. If you don't believe that when you believed in Jesus dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, you were made a new creation, you miss the entire plan of salvation. And you have a useless faith according to the Bible. So if you're saying like, Joe, I get it, like Jesus died, he, rose, he was buried, rose again, I get it, I'm there. But then I ask you in the next sentence, are you a new creation? And then you say some nonsense like God is working on me. You don't understand the gospel. If, see, I got to get real right now. See, you see now you know why I mentioned some of my Baptist friends. Because I'm tired of hearing this from people even across YouTube. I'm tired of them always putting these, these videos out of preachers. And some spirit-filled preachers have gotten tied into it where everything's a struggle and you're about ready to make it and God's on your side. I thought the victory already was won. I thought the battle already was won. I thought I already was more than a conqueror. 
I don't need somebody to preach me into victory again. I just need to wake up and believe I am victorious in Christ Jesus. He's got a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why do you need some preacher to preach you happy every week about your struggle? You should be sitting down eating filet mignon. You should be like at medieval diner, whatever they call that place. Thank you, medieval times. That's, that's how you are right now while the battle's going on. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. James said it right here in James chapter 1. You there? Now go to verse 17, please. Are you excited? So I don't want anybody saying this after. I mean, if you got to be honest, be honest. Say, God's still working on me because I don't believe the gospel yet. Say it like that, but don't tell me. After this message, sir or ma'am, you believe the gospel and you still think God is working on you. He has done and completed his work on the cross. He didn't say, it is about ready to get started and I'm going to renovate your life for the next 30 years. He said, it is finished. Done. Done. The work of salvation is done. I'm going to get to how you grow up in salvation. I'm going to get to how you act like you are a new person. But get the right confession of faith. James 1.17, in the same way, faith by itself, it's not accompanied by action, is dead. The action that he is talking about here, which I do not have time to get into, is the action of obeying and believing what God says you can do, i.e. commands. So the person who says, I believe the gospel, but I don't believe what the gospel has done in my life, what that basically means is I still break commands. And I'm okay with that because God's okay with that. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Like there's going to be a competition. Well, you got deeds. I have faith. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So James says, the half-brother of Jesus. You know Joseph and Mary got it on after Jesus. Can I hear an amen? The, the, this is the brother, and the other one was Jude. He knew Jesus. He said, you believe there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You have accomplished nothing if you don't believe what salvation accomplishes in you. See, a demon believes only in mental assent with their mind, but they have no inward transformation of spirit. They remain a demon after their belief. The Christian believes more than just with a the mind. They believe it with their heart and soul, and then they are now interpenetrated by the divine nature of Christ. They are then placed in him and seated in his righteousness. You foolish person. Now, see, the Bible going offending people now in the 21st century. Now, James, don't you know we don't call Oprah Winfrey foolish? Don't you know we don't call people foolish in our day and age? Come on. He says, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is what? Useless. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous? Was he considered righteous? What do you consider yourself? Busted and disgusted? Half good, half bad. You a centaur for Jesus. Half horse, half person. God's still working on me. One day I'll be fully a man. What did he consider Abraham? Part horse, part sinner. What did he consider him? Righteous. 
for what he did. See, he understood the process. He understood what God had done in him when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. There was a command attached to what God had did. You see that his faith and his actions were working what? Together. They were working what? Together. And his faith was made what? Complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as what? So his belief was what accredited to him the righteousness, but his belief needed the action to go along with it. And he was called what? Is a centaur called God's friend? Are you listening to me? Is Pinocchio called God's friend? The Bible says he was a friend of sinners, but he did not leave them in their sin. He loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. Now, right about here is where people want to push back a little bit, and they get offended because now this is where they want to hear from Father Tom. Father Tom, tell me it's okay when I sin every week because I can come and get communion. You'll feed it to me like I'm a little baby bird, and you'll put it in my mouth, and then I'll feel better about my sin because I'm so sorry that I did it, but then I'll do it again, and then I'll just feel so sorry that I did it, and then, oh, I'll do it again, and I'll just feel sorry that I did it, and I'll do it again, and this is the merry-go-round of sin. And people say, put me on that, Pastor. No, I said, to hell with that merry-go-round. I want to put you on the path of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what a preacher should do is put you on the path of righteousness. Say, this is a friend of God. This is a friend of God. Do you want to be a friend of God, sir, ma'am? Then be the one who says, I believe in who Jesus is. And I believe in what he did for me. On Calvary. And my belief doesn't stop there. And I believe I am who he said I am. I am a child of God, and in my spirit I cry out, Abba, Father. And I can do what he said I can do. Oh, Pastor, what if we sin on that journey of righteousness? Well, on that journey, the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they get back up. But sin is not their pattern. You can go walk on a tightrope, and if you're going with your friends out there to go try to do those things, they'll probably have a little harness on you, a net underneath. You may fall, but you get back up. You don't go on the tightrope and start bouncing on the thing. Say, look at me, guys, and start jumping into the net. What is the design of grace? Is grace a get-out-of-jail-free card? Is grace like that rag I keep in my garage that I always wipe down my lawnmower with and toss it to the side? Is grace just something that you just get cleansed from your sins so you can go back and sin again? Or is grace the power for the hour of your need to give you inner transformation? Can I hear an amen? Can I ask you now to turn to 2 Corinthians 5.16? That was just the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, it's getting good now. Come on now. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. I want everybody to confess this, to believe it. 2 Corinthians 5.16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. How many people am I supposed to regard from a worldly point of view right now? No one. No one. I regard everyone from a spiritual point of view. Look at me. I don't care if there's a guy who looks like me carrying around some tiki torch saying that black people are wrong and white, you know, supremacy. That man's going to hell. I don't care how he looks at me. Are you looking or looks like me? I don't regard him in a worldly way. He's full of the devil. Amen. 
I'm not here to go with the flow of what people look like me as. And you should do the same thing. If you were in Cuba and Che Guevara and Castro all looked like you, you should say to hell with this. I'm not down with your revolution. I'm not down with getting milk stamps. Come on. And if Hillary Clinton looks like some of y'all, you need to understand that ain't your sister in Christ. Wanting to butcher and abort a baby's inside the womb. What you think that is if it ain't a baby? Are you listening? We know what a baby eagle is. We know what a baby whale is. Now we're going to get confused over what a baby is in the most educated time of our entire existence. We don't know what a baby is. Come on, somebody. I don't regard nobody by a worldly point of view. Your skin color don't, ma- don't mean we're in relationship together. don't mean we're of the same family. You've got to look at brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says whoever who comes after me, follows me, must love me more than their mother, their father, their all, all their family. Now, I thank God we could take our families with us. Amen? I thank God that my children are going to heaven with me. And I praise God for those of you who are going to heaven with your family. And don't stop contending for those who are lost. My mother prayed for me as a backslider for many years. And I ended up coming to the the Lord at her kitchen table because she brought me in. Amen. God brought me in through her prayers. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So they used to look at Jesus just as a man like, you're no different than any other man. But they got the revelation later on of who he was. Look at verse 17, very popular scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Let's read it again. One, two, three. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let me ask you a question, if I might. If you are in Christ, and most of you confessed with me that you are in Christ, how much of you is old right now? How much percent of you? Let's put it on percents. How much of you is old? We got one brother that's God. What about you? How much? Zero percent of you is old. Do you believe that as much as you believe Jesus raised from the dead? See, some of you want to walk this out as if you were on one of those remodeling shows like Fixer Upper with the gains, you know. And God's going to come in and tear down your dilapidated kitchen and put in a new kitchen. And then God's going to tear down this. And then you're going to be God's special project for the next 20, 30 years. You're not God's little special project. You are a new creation now. That is how you live like a new creation. I'm going to ask Nancy to get my son, please. Go get Lucas. If the new creation has come, how much of the old remains? Let's just look at Paul's word, and you tell me what it says. That's why I said I'll debate Father Tom on this. It's an easy debate. Does everybody get that? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has what? Has come. The old has The new is where? Oh, you're going through a struggle. You're going through this. You need that. Or we could just do it the, you know, the more white way, you know. Well, brothers and sisters, we love you. And sometimes you doubt your salvation. You don't know if you're saved. And we all make mistakes. Is that what the Bible says? And the new is here. Let's give it up for Lucas as he comes. Come on. Do I need to go on Maury Povich to find out whose son this is? Let's go over here. As a matter of fact, Lucas, let's step here in front. How many know whose son this is? Point to who his father is. Okay? When he was born, day one, he was my son. Day one, he looked like me. Day one, he had my genetics in him. That is what we are like in Christ. The moment we are born again, we look exactly like him. 
Moment one. Day one. Moment one. Now guess what? He grows up to become like daddy. Show him your muscles. Come on, show him your muscles. Do that. Yeah. See, spiritual growth is not Lucas trying to be my son. Spiritual growth is not Lucas trying to have my image. Spiritual growth is because he's my son and has my image, now he does what I do because he can do it in Jesus' name. Everybody give it up for Lucas. I love you, buddy. Amen. Let's keep reading. All this is from God. Who does this? Do self-help programs do this? Does Plexus do this? Does Herbalife do this? No, no offense to anybody doing that stuff. All this comes from who? From God. Don't tell them if they weren't in this service, I teased them a little bit because I see some of them are coming to second. I know the wrath of some of them will come on me hard. You know, everybody's selling something now. My wife got, what is this, Norax for the house. Now you're going to do some hair products, sir. And, you know, we could put Walmart out of business. That's cool. I'm all right with that. We'll put you guys all in business. Amen. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who did all the work in taking us from being enemies of God to being a friend of God? Who did the reconciliation? Did you show up to God to make some deal with him like a peace treaty? Did you have anything really that he wanted that you could trade with? Who made the reconciliation? All this is from God. God was reconciling the world to himself. In who? In who? In Christ. Who did he do it through? In Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of what? So what is my message supposed to be to you? Reconciliation. Is it supposed to be come take more communion? Is it supposed to teach you how to not get dizzy on the merry-go-round of sin? Am I supposed to give you the guidance of how to do sin management? Is the job of a pastor to give you a self-help program so that you can gradually change yourself over time in human effort? Is that my job? What is my job? I'm supposed to give you the what? The message of? What are you supposed to give this world? The message of reconciliation. What should we teach our children? The message of reconciliation. Now let me just ask you this simple question. Since being reconciled with Christ, how many are now reconciled with Christ? How many confess Jesus as your Lord? You're no longer God's enemy, okay? Since being reconciled with Jesus, how many of your sins is God holding against you right now? None. So that means every time you face temptation, there is not an excuse that you're a sinner that can keep you in that temptation. You cannot say when you are tempted, from the moment you confess Christ, I just can't help myself. No, because Jesus hears your prayers, holds nothing against you, and if you say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, he will say yes every time. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. You lack wisdom. The Bible says he will give it to you every single time. Wisdom on how to be in a relationship. Wisdom how to work your job. Wisdom how to be married and get along with people in this world. Wisdom of racial reconciliation. God gives people wisdom. Come on, somebody say, we are there for. Somebody say, Christ's ambassadors. And as though God was making his appeal through us. Do you feel like I'm making an appeal today? Do you think I'm passionate about this? 
right? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this is now for the rest of you that were enjoying that time when all of us were saying that we love Jesus and believe in Jesus. If for some reason this is as new to you or you haven't done this yet, we are employing you now to be reconciled to God the same way we were by believing in him. And the confession that we made, you can make today at the end of our service, and exactly what I've been saying this whole time will apply to you. Now look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. One more time, become the righteousness of God. This is done the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. How much of you was sinful before you were saved, percentage-wise? How much? 100%. 100%. The Bible says there was none righteous, no, not even one. All of their mouths are like open graves. All of them have gone astray. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many believe that? Well, let me ask you this. How much, is you, how much of you is righteous after being saved? Come on. You can't have it one way but not the other. Not to pick on the Baptist, but that's what I'm telling you. They'll preach it sometimes just the way I did. You're a sinner. You need to be saved. You're a dirty, rotten thing. Maybe they don't say it like that anymore, but you know what I'm saying. But then, once you're saved, they keep talking to you like you are a sinner. That is not how we are supposed to talk to you in the church. The Bible says you are saints. That's how Paul considers you. That's how the Bible is written. Can I hear an amen? Saints are not just those who have died. Saints are those who are alive. Can you give me my Bible, please? I want you to see this, that the Bible gives us the qualifications for who we are and how we are to be spoken to. When I speak to my son, I don't say you, especially after he's done something wrong, but anytime I don't speak to my son and say, you good for nothing, kid. You always do wrong. You'll never do right. I speak to my son with honor, and I dignify him. And I say, you are my son. I am so proud of you. You can do all that mom and dad ask you to do. Because I believe in the nature that God has given him. He is a child of the king. He was born a sinner, yes. But he's born again when he confessed Christ. Teach your children to pray as early as they can talk. Can I hear an amen? I have no doubt over my children's salvation. You say, well, maybe, you know, it's because they're not teenagers yet. Well, maybe it's because you backslid. I don't know. I'm not going to doubt that. Now, I backslid. I don't blame it on parents. Don't get me wrong. I need the Bible up here, sir. I don't blame it on my parents that I backslid. But I want to tell you this. Do not make an allowance for your children to ever backslide by saying, well, when they get 11 or 12, they may go crazy. No, they don't. My pastor raised four boys, all of them virgins, when they got married. I give that up to Jesus. Four men all got married as virgins. Y'all quiet. Y'all don't want that testimony? I should hear an amen from some parents right now. How many want their kids to be married as virgins? All four of them work with their dad in the ministry. Just because you were messing up doesn't mean your kids got to mess up. Just because you weren't living right doesn't mean your kids don't have to live right. Dear God, believe for more. You look them right in the eyes, sir. Look them right in the eyes, mom, and you tell them with tears coming down your eyes, you do not want to walk away from Jesus. Plead with their souls. First crack addict my kids ever saw was when I took them out witnessing. I got it, sir. Thank you. 
First crack addict they ever saw is when I took him out witnessing. You want to see what drugs is? There you go. First drunkard they ever saw was when I took him out witnessing. Can I hear an amen? Look at what the Bible says. Paul talking in Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sethosthenes to the church of God in Corinth. To those who are what? Jacked up and messed up. What are they? To those who are what? Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be is what? Holy people want to see it in older translations. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 teaches us that that word holy people is the word saying church of God, which is that corn to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be what? What should I call you? What should I expect you to be? What should I expect your children to be? What should we be in a dark world? Saints, what should we be around all sinners? Saints. Are you a saint or an ain't? Well, I ain't a saint. Well, that's up to you. You ain't going to heaven then either. Hello? Only saints go to heaven. Well, I'll become one when I die. No, you won't. You only become one on this earth. Can I hear an amen? You ever heard Mike 316? Because there's an argument to what I'm saying. Don't think a pastor don't know the arguments that are out there. This is what Mike says. You got a friend like this, right? Everybody's got a, fri- a friend like Mike or Michelle, whatever. No offense if your name is Mike or Michelle, but you know, we just preach like this, and you're going to get all excited, and you're actually going to believe I can live for Jesus now because I'm holy, and I'm a saint, and I'm sanctified. But Mike's going to come along tomorrow and say, oh, no, no, no. Salvation's a process. It's like a process, like how when you download a program, Jesus is just downloading every day something new into your life. So I'd love you to ask Mike, Mike, how much are you saved right now? Check your progress bar, Mike. Well, about 30% of me is saved. 70% of you still going to hell, Mike? Come on, somebody. And this is what Mike will say. Little by little, God is saving me. Because when I do my part, he does his. You guys have heard this kind of stuff before, haven't you? When I do better, I become better. That's what every other religion teaches you. And Christianity needs to stop talking like this. This is not the message of Christianity. This is not you pray five times towards a rock in Mecca and God will work on you little by little. This is not where you follow Brad Pitt with tight yoga pants and become a vegan and go find a yogi and meditate until you become more and more with the divine or nirvana. Are you listening? This is not you going to Father Tom getting more communion and more confession in a dark closet. You confessing your little naughty secrets to him. This is all or nothing. Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace you have, past tense, been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Don't give me a gift on layaway. Well, here you go. Here's your gift. What is this? It's a piece of paper. It says $10 on it. Oh, yeah, I'm paying it off for the next 20 years. That's not a gift. Are you listening to me? Jesus is not paying off your salvation. Now, why is it some people don't like this message? Because they like living like that. To hell with that. I am not a centaur, and neither are you. You are not called to live in this world beneath the calling of Jesus Christ. He walks with you. He's with you. Live with your friend. Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. What an honor that he walks with us. When I believe that God made me sinless, I will sin less. 
When I believe that I am clothed in the righteousness of God, I will be righteous. When I believe that I am holy, for he is holy, by the blood of the Lamb, I will live holy. When I believe that he who knew no sin became sin for me, I will hate sin. Oh, to God, that that we would understand just what it means to be a child of God. What does it look like when the saints of God actually believe they are who they said they are, who God says they are? Remember when I started at the beginning? You have to believe in what God does in you just as much as you believe what God did for you. You believe God died on the cross for you. Can I hear an amen? Do you believe he was dead, buried, and rose from the dead? Amen. Do you believe he ascended to heaven before 500 witnesses? Amen. Do you believe he's coming back riding on a white horse, whether any of these governments want it or not? Can I hear an amen? Well, then do you believe that you're a new creation in Christ? Do you believe that all things have passed away? Behold, all things have become new. Do you believe today that you are saved, that you are the workmanship, past tense, created in Christ Jesus to do good works? When you look at the cross, you have to see yourself. Everybody say, hi, Timmy. I don't know if you've met little Timmy, but Timmy's a good kid by everybody else's account, brought up in a Christian home, Likes to ride his bike, plays soccer in the park. But guess what? Little old Timmy's like everybody else, born under the Adamic nature given to us by Adam and Eve, sinful from his birth, created within the womb in iniquity because of the curse upon his soul. Timmy has a black heart. Timmy's separated from God. Timmy is considered at enmity with God, an enemy of him because he comes from the line of treacherous traitors those who have turned their back on their creator. He's of the race of Adam. And Timmy hears the gospel. I used to grow up seeing these things on little, what they would call little flannel graphs. Anybody remember that? Anybody? Some of you guys hear flannel graphs. Big green board would be in our Sunday school, and they would have these cutouts that would stick to that green board, and they would put up a picture that looked just like Timmy. And there's Timmy. Timmy is sinful because he comes from Adam. But then Timmy hears the gospel that another took his place. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And Timmy says, I believe. In the moment he believes his sins are put on that cross. The old Timmy has died. He's then buried with Christ, and he's raised anew. You say, that would be really cool if there could be like a demonstration of that so I could understand it better. That's what we're going to do in baptism. Baptism is the dry person coming in, confessing their sins, though baptism doesn't save them. Remember that. It's just the illustration They come in dry and sinful away from God. They confess their sin. They confess their need for Christ. They then are buried into the grave. They then come up soaking wet a new creation through the birth canal of heaven. As the water breaks in the womb when the baby comes out, the water has broken in the spirit. You have been born again. That is what it symbolizes, what God does here externally. Just like communion reminds us of the body and blood of Jesus. Neither one of these ordinances, baptism or communion, will save you, but they will remind you of your salvation. How many are saved today? 
Can I tell you what you are? You can get mad at me. You can say, oh, me, oh, my, but I wish somebody would say amen. How many are ready for me to read 120 things? You are God's child born again. You have Jesus as your atoning sacrifice, purified, cleansed from all sin. You have been given a new life, eternal life, accepted in Jesus. You are set free. You have God's character. You live in the love of God. You have no more fear of punishment, darkness. You have a sound mind. You are like Jesus. You are given the fruit of the Spirit. You are called by God. Jesus calls you by name. He's written you on the palms of his hands. You are precious to God and honored by him. You are set apart for his calling. You are righteous in him. You were created for glory. You are forgiven, delivered from darkness, made a new creation, have the unfailing love of God. You have a purpose for living, never forsaken, always comforted. Have God as your father. You're not an orphan. You are adopted, filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit teach you, making you the temple of his dwelling, washed, sanctified, justified, and overcomer and transformed. You are redeemed from the curse, strong in the Lord, holy and blameless, blessed a saint, qualified to be in his inheritance. This is why God made me Italian, by the way, so I could preach like this. Come on. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, victorious, dead to sin, elect in Christ, loved with an everlasting love, established to the end, circumcised by Jesus, crucified with Christ, alive with Christ, raised with Christ, a faithful follower, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, called of God, brought near by the blood, more than a con- conqueror. You are the work of Jesus, beloved and chosen, an ambassador, the first fruits, born of God. Satan can't touch you. A king and a priest, chosen, perfect, a joint heir, reconciled, forgiven and healed, physically healed by his wound. The world has nothing on you. You are a fellow citizen with the saints of Christ, sealed by the Spirit and complete in him. Come on, somebody. You guys got more excited when Baez hit a home run, but that shows you where your faith is, I guess. I'll get excited for this if you don't. I know what God did for me. I am free from condemnation, the righteousness of God, firmly rooted, have joy, peace beyond understanding, think in new ways, a disciple of Christ, built on his foundation, a participator in the divine nature, the workmanship of God, changed into his image, one with Christ, my needs are met in him, given the mind of Christ, the gift of the Spirit, a guaranteed inheritance, an abundant life, overcome the world, power to control my thoughts, access to the Father, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can do all things through Christ, great is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I walk in Jesus. I possess Jesus. I press towards the goal. I forget the past. I go forward. I have received the power. I hear God's voice. I bring forth his praise. I'm triumphant in his name with the fullness of God in me. I have the hope of glory. I'm a witness for Jesus. I'm unconditionally loved, the apple of his eye, holy, an image bearer, and I'm made to rule with Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. Now, you and I make a decision to whether or not we believe it. That was in the cross. That was in the confession of your faith. Jesus is Lord. Isn't that beautiful? You see, my friends, when we begin to understand that we'll be who God wants us to be. In closing, let me say this. Those who believe in Jesus and believe they are who God said they are are in fact the only people who are truly born again. Remember before we heard that it's useless faith without this. 
made a new creation in our God's masterpiece, created to do good works. It's when you believe that. You see, somehow we detached the transformational power of Jesus from our doctrinal confessions, and we need the doctrinal confessions. You know, I believe Jesus, you know, died on the cross, was buried for my sins, rose again. Like, that is awesome. But somehow we have detached from that the actual power of it. And the Bible says they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. And and they will turn aside from the truth and turn to myths. It is a myth to think you are a centaur, half sinner, half saint. It is a sin to think there are many roads to heaven. It is a myth to think that you cannot be victorious over every sin and temptation. The only reason why we repent when we sin is because we could have done otherwise. My two-year-old or one-year-old doesn't repent when they go to the bathroom on themselves. They could not do otherwise. Our God is not some fascist dictator. He's the God who gave us a conscience. Why would he treat us so arbitrarily? You are held accountable for the things that you were responsible, responsible to do. You must believe this. That's why Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. You bunch of hypocrites, you throw the first stone if you're without without sin. But then he picks her up and he says, now go and sin no more. That's the salvation message. It's I'm not judging you. I'm not holding your sins against you. That day will come and it will be terrifying. But that's not today. Jesus' love is saying, I'm not holding this against you. I'm here representing my Father, and then I'll send my ambassadors in my name. Be reconciled with him. I'm not holding this against you. He says to the woman, it's all over now. It's over. Don't have to be like this anymore. And so we've detached the power of the gospel from the gospel, and we're thinking it doesn't work. My friends, I would rather you walk out of here offended and have heard the true gospel than for you to keep thinking the gospel doesn't work. Because it does. It does. Well, Pastor, I, and I told you this before, but I always got to ask that question. Pastor, well, what if I do sin? You repent because you really mean you didn't want to do it. You really change your mind about it. I'm really sorry, God, that I lusted after someone that wasn't my wife. Forgive me, Jesus. Take it from my heart that you may knew. Don't let it corrupt the new thing. Wash it out of me. I'm sorry for my temper. See, when you leave sin as like some gray cloud over you, no, sin is specific. Name it. Name that dirty, filthy thing. Sorry, God, when I yell at my kids and I don't treat them the way you treat me and I'm not patient with them. I don't want to do it again, Father. I don't want to treat them like that. See, that's that's forgiveness. That's a woman exposed saying, I don't want to be a prostitute anymore. Set me free. 
Do you think she went and pulled tricks after that? And then just got some communion to say, well, God's still working on me? If she was ever tempted to do it again, I guarantee you, she called out and remembered the Lord's prayer and says, your kingdom come, God. On this earth as it is in heaven, your will be done, God. Lead me not into this temptation. Deliver it from me, the love of money, the love of sex, the desperation to try to do something for my family. Deliver me from it until all I see is righteousness, until all I see is the path of purity. Those are those who have been really saved, who hear their father's heart through the Holy Spirit beckoning them to growth, to maturity. Son, you want muscles like dad? You got to work out like dad. Let's grow up. And God does want children to grow up. And attitudes change, yes, and behaviors change, but this is not a behavior modification religion. This is not a do better religion. This is only a new creation relationship. And once again, here's my other example. I don't, I was going to make one for this, but I thought it'd be funner if I did it with my hands, okay? When you know you're made in the image of Christ, you can look at the mirror of Jesus every day in his word and see what lines up or what's off. I'm not connecting today. My attitude is not like him. I don't have the right spirit in me. So you line back up. But remember, you've got to have the original. So you know Christ in you is not like that. So you shouldn't be like that. Does everybody see the difference now? I'm not trying and trying to be more like Jesus. Because I'm like Jesus, I can see where I'm not like him when I behave a certain way. Let me just say it again because some of you get it mixed up. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. No, because I'm like Jesus, I'm living more and more like Jesus. Because I'm like him first, then I do. Everybody say, be, then do. Because I be Christ's son, now I can do Christ's works. If I am not the being of Christ first, ontologically speaking, all I have is a bunch of do-do. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. No, no, be, then do. So you don't just have a bunch of do-do because the Bible says without Christ, your good works are like filthy rags. Now, do you believe this? Let's ask ourselves these two questions in closing. Uh, Band, would you come, please? And all I ask of you is to be honest. I'm sorry if sometimes I get a little sassy. I really am. I, I sometimes, I don't mean it. I just get passionate. If it offends you for the sake of offense, I'm sorry for that. I really am. I don't want to be offensive for offensive sake. As you can tell, I try not to lower the standard of our church here, even though I dress in shorts and T-shirts. I think you got some good, pretty good preaching today. But listen, don't miss it just on my sassiness. just want to ask you this in closing today. Number one, just real simple. Do you believe Jesus is who God said he is, his beloved son? Remember at the baptism? Baptism? And then at the resurrection, he showed us who he was. He was the son of God, right? Okay. Do you believe Jesus is who God said he is and that he did what God said he did? He fulfilled the prophets? Amen. Can you say amen if you believe that? Thank you. Now, number two, I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you believe you are who God said you are and that you can do all that he said you can do? Because those two things go together. Those two things are the gospel. That's why James told us that it's not just a mental ascent to the first principle of doctrine. It's a life transformation. Remember, demons say, I believe the top thing, but they don't have the bottom thing. What's the difference? James taught us the difference. 
It's faith in action is the true faith. Can I show it to you real quickly in my third closing? Just want to make sure you get it. Just so you don't think I made it up today. You see that faith? That his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made what? Complete by what he did. Remember, the belief leads to the action. That's how you check your heart to see if you're playing make-believe. When I first got saved, like many of you, I didn't know who I was. I just knew, like, I was a bad person I needed Jesus because that was my story. Some of you all didn't come like that, and that's okay. But I'm just telling you how, how I came, right? So when I came to Jesus like that, what I had to do was go to the Scriptures and find out who I was. And I'm just being 100% real. Excuse me, good sir. I'm just being 100% real. I just believed what it said. So you know the first place I started reading was Psalms because I, I like music. I started reading Psalms. And this is literally just what it said. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinner, nor sit in the seat of the mocker, but as the light is on the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I go, I'll be that one. That's the one I'll be. That was the first scripture I memorized. Okay, don't be the wicked. Don't be the mocker. Don't be the sinner. Who am I going to be? Be the blessed man. Be the blessed man. The blessed man is like this because he meditates on the Word of God. He meditates literally on the 121 things I just read today. So as I started reading the Scripture, I was like, that's for me today. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm a child of God. And guess what? Smoking habits broke off of me. I didn't become more of a child of God when I stopped smoking. I became a child of God the day I was born again. And when I stopped smoking, I believed it this much more. Are you understanding? I was believing who I was, who I was created to be. And every time since then, when I sin, I don't say that's like 30% of my bad side or whatever. I say, that is not me. I will repent and be forgiven because I'm not going back, Jack. Amen? How many ain't going back, Jack? Come on, stand up and give it up for Jesus. Come on, amen? Altar workers, would you come? Let's close out in prayer. Let's do this. Father, we're about ready to do baptisms in your son's name today. We ask that you will bless this time, Father. We ask that this will be exciting for those who are demonstrating their new lives. Sons and daughters are getting baptized today. Moms and dads, friends and family. God, we are so thankful for what you're doing in this church and what you're doing in their lives. I pray today that and their, them and their families will know who they are, live like who they are every day of their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said one more time, amen. Give it up for Jesus. Amen.